I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and in the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day 42, since most of us have been isolated in our homes, and day number six of this podcast. I've been thinking about grief, and I'm thinking that we can all use a little help. My guest today is Claire Bidwell-Smith, a therapist with 10 years' experience and a grief expert. Claire, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Paint us a picture of where you are right now. You know, invite us into your life and your your present day. What are you looking at? Where are you sitting? <laughs> I am sitting in my parked car with a dead battery because I haven't driven in three weeks. And I'm sitting in the car because I have five kids and two puppies and two cats and a husband in the house. And there's not a quiet room to be found. <laughs> and it's a rainy day, so everybody's inside. I have a feeling a lot of people will relate to that in one way or another. <laughs> um, and, and where are you living? What does it look like around you? I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. And I left Los Angeles about seven months ago to make a family move and um, have been missing California until now. I'm feeling really grateful to be um, out in nature and on some land and property for the kids to run around and uh, have space to be at home all the time. Mm -hmm. You have three kids. Uh, you have a baby, right? And, mm -hmm. and and two older kids that are like tween age-ish? I have three tween stepkids. And then um, I have two girls from my previous marriage. And then I have a baby with my new husband. Mm. And everybody's home, right? Everybody's... Everybody is home. <sighs> one of the hats you wear, and one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on The Way We Live Now, is that you are a grief expert. You were a practicing therapist for 10 years, and um, you've written a book about grief. One of the things that I noticed in the first days of the pandemic was that I was waking up in the morning into 
an instant of not remembering. And then Mm -hmm. it would kind of come crashing down around me in those first seconds after waking. And what that reminded me of, what it felt like in my body and in my consciousness, was grief. Exactly. Same. Um, I had... I had a personal experience similar to that. And then I also had the experience of watching this begin to unfold and realizing that we were heading into a tsunami of grief, personal grief for people who are going to be losing people, but then just the grief of um, stepping out of our, our, our lives that we knew, letting go of them completely and entering into this new world. Um, I'm grieving, grieving my kids coming out of school and being home all the time, grieving just being out and about, I'm an extrovert. It's been incredibly difficult for me to um, be at home and not be out and about seeing people and moving around the country. There's a lot of grief going on. And and it's so similar. It's been coming in waves for me, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I realized this week I, I've had kind of that breakthrough period where I, last week I was very depressed and feeling very resistant. And this week I've just had that letting go feeling where I've just been succumbing to the kind of force of it and just like like you're stepping into a river and just floating down it, um, which has been similar to other grief I've experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment when you felt the tsunami coming? Was there any sort of defining moment of feeling like, oh, this is this is real and this is coming and this is here and it's unlike anything that we've ever experienced before? No, it was coming in waves for me, just kind of watching it unfold in our country and starting to see the varied responses that were going on. And that was all very confusing and scary. And it wasn't unlike watching my parents go through cancer, which is my personal story. You know, both of my parents got sick when I was young, when I was a teenager. And there was that same not knowing, trying to grasp and figure out what to do, where to go, who to turn to, how we get through this. Um, and it was similar to this, you know, mm-hmm. um, find, just trying to find something to hold on to while watching the news, which was insane, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we're still doing that to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's really interesting about this time is that we are all experiencing something similar. Um, whether we whether we respond differently, of course, we're all different individuals, but all over the world, everyone is in this. And that feels somehow different to me than when one is grappling with a private grief. And I think one of the things that characterizes a private grief is that it feels like the rest of the world is continuing on its merry way while while your world has stopped. And now exactly. here we are, and the whole world has, has just, is suspended. It's like that W.H. Auden poem, you know, where he wishes to stop all the clocks. You know, someone has died. We want to just stop everything. Yeah. Um, and when we're going through a personal grief, it can feel so jarring to walk out into the world and everyone's going about their way and doing their things, and you are crumbling inside. Whereas you're right, right now we're all in it together, and it's, it's remarkable to experience. So if you were counseling people now, what would you say? I mean, you know, you said it comes in waves and there's the resisting of it and then there's the stepping into the flow of it. You know, I think most people, just about everybody I know who I ask, how are you? There's always this like (laughs) long pregnant pause. Like no one knows how to answer that question right now. Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, 
You know, I think there's, for me, what I what I'm suggesting and recommending to people and to myself on a daily basis is to lean into it. Um, I think the same is true when you're going through a personal grief. Um, and it's true for right now. We have to lean into it. The more we resist it, the more anxiety and depression we will grapple with, um, the more fear we will grapple with. And we kind of have to just let go and lean into it. And I think when we do that, there it will be uncomfortable. It will be painful. There is sadness. There is pain going on right now. There's so much. But there's also catharsis and there's change and there's rebuilding and there's this kind of breakdown that lends itself to a rebirth. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It's that's a hope that's a hopeful thing to say. You know, I think I wonder whether people are having trouble asking for help right now because mm-hmm. we're all in one way or another in this and I mean I know that for me and this is a little personal but I was seeing a therapist and I pretty much stopped seeing her because I would sort of look at her face over FaceTime and and think you're going through this too. Mm-hmm. Like, what is there to talk about? I don't want to talk to you about my pain. I know that you're in pain. It sort of breaks down the the fourth wall between does. therapist and patient. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think that people are having trouble figuring out where to go for support. Um, and I think in that sense, we need to we need to be leaning into kindred spirits. I'm I'm amazed at the certain friendships and people that I've leaned to during this time. They're not, they're not always the people I thought I would go to in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even rekindled some old friendships from high school with, with women I haven't spoken to in a long time. And for whatever reason, it's making sense for us to talk to each other right now. Mm. So I think kind of leaning into the places that feel good um, and the people that are kindred right now in, in your process is important. That's such great advice because what you're talking about too is discernment or, you know, sort of stepping back and thinking, who are those people? Um, mm-hmm. And it might not be the people who at another time you might enjoy being at a dinner party with. It might be completely exactly. different people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so taking expectations off of ourselves right now, I think is really important. There's this interesting push I've seen on social media and just and everywhere of of being really productive right now. Mm-hmm. You know, use this time to write your novel, use this time to get that six pack of abs or <laughs> do your workouts every day. And I'm not sure that works for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, for me, what's working for me is to um, be productive on an inward level. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found myself returning to ritual. Um, something I had kind of let go of in the last few years because I wasn't needing it as much in my life. My life was kind of humming along pretty well. It was chaotic and busy, but but everything was going relatively well. And um, when this crisis hit, I I really felt a lot of anxiety in the beginning, and 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 immediately turned back to this place that I hadn't in years, which was creating an altar, kind of stepping into that that inner space every morning, which is something I know you do, mm-hmm. um, which is beautiful. And it is a practice and it's something I had fallen out of practice with. Um, so for me, that is my goal of productivity right now. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Yeah. There's this, um, this term that I heard last week and that I imagine is going to come up on this show quite a bit, which is productivity porn. <laughs> right? Like, you know, Instagram is full of these beautiful meals and mm-hmm. Um, yes, definitely people 
writing their magnum opus during this found time. And, you know, I think one of the challenging things for all of us and 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 maybe particularly for those of us who have artistic professions or professions where we're doing something that is, you know, that's not structured is mm -hmm. this feeling of futility or I remember that feeling after 9-11 um, mm -hmm. of, well, in the face of something this huge, what's the point, right? And it's right. like we have to digest and go through this process and there's no shortcut around that, which I think is a lot of what you talk about when you talk about managing grief. Yeah, I, I think that that's one of the things I've always really appreciated about grief is that it really pairs things down to what is essential and what's meaningful. Um, I know in the times when I have really grieved in my life, all the all the stuff has just fallen away. You know, all the things that we think are important and we think make us who we are have just completely fallen to the floor around me when I've been in true grief. And, and what I've been left with is usually um, the things that I finally can realize are most important and essential and meaningful to who I am and who I am in the world. And it can be very uncomfortable though to face that, right? Because we fill our lives up with so many things that we think make us important or, you know, make our days important. And it's amazing how often those are the first things to fall away. Mm -hmm. You know, it's occurring to me as you're speaking, I wonder whether people, when it comes to grief, whether it's a little bit like trauma in the sense that I wonder if there are people who are listening who are thinking, well, I haven't lost anybody. Um, my, everybody in my family is okay. We, I'm not grieving. Or grief doesn't apply to me um, mm -hmm. in the same way as, as, as people think that trauma doesn't apply to them because we compare. Other people have it worse than we do mm -hmm. or that kind of thing. And, and I wonder if you can speak to that at all, like just the feeling of allowing ourselves to like what what do you think that we are grieving i think that we have to name it as grief um and i think that we're grieving the life we we knew you know i mean it's over we will never go back as a world as a culture as individuals to who we were before this happened and that's not a bad thing um i i think you know we will emerge different people. Um, and and I think that we will emerge knowing new things about ourselves. We will emerge having had to come together in many new and innovative and creative ways, um, which will probably enhance our lives. You know, um, the process is going to be uncomfortable and painful, and we're going to have to reckon with sides of ourselves. I've been hearing this other idea floating around that we're seeing the best and worst of everyone right now. You know, mm -hmm. um, we're seeing the best and worst of our spouses and our kids and ourselves and our administrations and our, um, you know, our teachers, everyone. Um, and there's something beautiful about that. It's like we're having to have this period of reckoning. I think there's something so interesting about that. But I think naming it as grief allows us to relax into it to let it change us, to let it transform us in ways that I think will be ultimately really meaningful. That makes so much sense because it occurs to me too that grief has its rituals, as you were talking about rituals. Grief in every culture and every religion has a subscribed set of behaviors and things you do around a death, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't have those built-in rituals for this collective grief that we're feeling. So we need to, I mean, what you're describing of, you know, pulling out your altar or my meditation practice, I realized 
I realized just this morning I had a streak going of 256 days on my mm. meditation app, and yesterday wow. I missed a day. And so on my app, it goes back to zero. It's like it never happened. And I was lying there in bed suddenly realizing, oh, no, I broke my streak. And then I just, you know, that's the thing about a meditation practice is then I had the thought, and what do you do? You begin again. You begin again. Right. You begin again. And this is just a lesson in beginning again. But whatever people's rituals are, I think that that feeling of acknowledgement that this is, mm -hmm. that, it, that it's big and that it's real and that we need to allow ourselves to go through it. We do. And I think we need to really allow ourselves to explore and experiment with ritual on our own because right now we don't have the kind of gatherings that we're used to and accustomed to doing when we're grieving. Um, we're not having funerals. We're not sitting shiva. We're not having wakes. Um, you know, we're not going to group therapy after a loss. We can't do those things. And so finding any way that makes sense to you to ritualize, memorialize, and honor whatever's coming up for you is really important right now. Whether you just light a candle every night and say whatever kind of prayer or thoughts or love out to the world or a particular person or even just yourself, I think that those things will feel really good because we're not going to be able to do our regular things for a while. Mm, that's beautiful. Let me just end by asking you what in particular um, is bringing you comfort right now? Is there anything that you're reading or thinking or you mentioned ritual, but is there anything that's bringing you comfort that you haven't mentioned? Just this idea of letting go. Um, it's very liberating to me to stop expecting to get through this in some perfect way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just to like give myself a pass yes. on doing this in any really, um, really terrific way. I don't think that uh, there's a right way to get through this or to do it. And so that's been really comforting. And um, and I've been turning to books like, you know, When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron or Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. And, mm -hmm. um, Full Catastrophe Living. A good one. It's always such a great one. John Kabat-Zinn. Mm -hmm. um, those, those three titles alone, I feel like are great themes for right now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And no, and no pandemic perfectionism. Mm -hmm. right. The last thing I'll say is that I think when we're grieving, I see this a lot in regular grief. We spend a lot of time thinking about the past, what led up to the loss, what we could have done differently, um, what we wished we had been able to say or do. And then we're thinking a lot about the future, about what the world's going to look like with this thing or person that's gone. Um, and we're spending very little time in the present moment. So I think we're doing that a lot right now. We're looking back at how we got here. How did this happen? How did this unfold? How did we not see it or prepare for it? And we're looking ahead to how it's going to continue to play out and how we're going to have to change. But just stopping for a moment and just getting really present, you know, I think there's something so nutritious about that. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Um, Claire, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today and for for offering us these these insights and, and your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your wisdom out into the world in this way. Okay. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Way We Live Now. Tell us the way you're living now. We want to hear. Call us on 909-713-8995 and record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash 
the Way We Live Now pod. We are creating a community here, and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.